Welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loisel. And with me today is my co-host. Marshall, say hi. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to clear up my throat. Uh, senior editor, writer, philanthropist. What? Sh- <laughs> Is that how you say it? Philanp- philanth- Philanthropist? Yeah, philanthropist. Can you... I, that's not the reason why I looked at you. Oh, why'd you look at me like that? Why Why are you a philanthropist? Because uh, I'm building my empire of dirt. Um, yeah, I'm, for, I'm forgetting that Nine Inch Nails lyrics now. Anyways, Mark Salcedo. Hi. What? Philanthropists do like charity work and stuff. I thought they like start like they create businesses and stuff like that. Only if they're um, benevolently Mm -hmm. uh, giving money to people so they could continue like start their dreams and shit. Okay, gotcha. All right, yeah, that's not me. (laughs) I can give away all my tens and thousands of. Lint mm-hmm. to everybody. All the little hairs that you, <laughs> yeah, like, constantly shaving off. Your yeah, yeah, exactly. If I had a nickel for every hair uh, that's off the top of my head, I have like two nickels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know what I have to say about that though. What? I told you, chuckleheads, that story was never gonna work. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what? You said chuckleheads. I find that very offensive. Why? Because that's, that's implying that my head has hair to chuckle. No, I just <laughs> think your head has humor. Oh. Oh, so you're saying my head looks funny? Mm-hmm. Okay. That sounds about right. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also TikTok at Real, well, the Real Appeal for the Others. Real appeal for TikTok. We're never going to call it X, by the way. We're still going to call it Twitter like everybody else. Call it the Twitter. Um, you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. If you could please review our podcast wherever you listen to us, we would love that. Our segments for the show this week are our recent review of No One Will Save You, our variety time, the WGA strike is over. Um, but also the Screen Actors is not. Oh, yeah. SAG after it's us. still so going. On, yeah. Um, and our geriatric cinematic is Fire in the Sky, which came out in 1993. What's our terpic? Let's get abducted. Yeah. Let me start off by apologizing to our listeners. Um, for the switch up? For the switch up. My dumbass didn't get the dates right when it came to our uh, movie schedule and at the last minute I was like as Kelsey he said hey you want to do this movie instead good choice though yeah yeah and uh, so we're doing you know no one will save you and the fire I'm going to say and the fire in the sky <laughs> fire in the sky but don't worry don't worry I already know what we're going to do next week and I, I I got it okay it's going to work out is it the thing that we're supposed to do this week what thing we're supposed to do? This the week? one that you switched on them. 
Oh yeah. No, 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 not that one. No, no, we're not doing Dumb Money. Okay. No, no, we're doing we're doing the other movie. Which yeah. is? Well, we'll tell them at the end of the show. Oh. God. Gotta, Why'd you mention that you know what we're doing next week if you weren't going to say what it is? Because I want the audience to know that I'm not a complete dumbass. Well, that doesn't help. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> there we go. I'm less incompetent. Ah. Ah. Um, it's okay. You want to hear something uh, weird about me before we, you know, continue with our banter? What? I have been listening to my voice more lately. Okay. And using it with intent. Uh, okay. Uh, explain. Explain yourself, woman. Like, you know, I'm a pretty average singer. Mm-hmm. But when I sing, mm-hmm. I like I've been listening to myself more, mm-hmm. and I feel like I sound better when I when I intentionally use it. Like instead of just kind of like singing, mm-hmm. if I listen to myself and use it like an instrument, mm-hmm. it sounds a little better. Are you doing that thing where you like close one ear and and start singing so you can like really hear yourself? No, because I can't hear that way. It, it like it doesn't help me. Okay, what if you, I did try it though? What if you close both ears? You think that'll help? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, but also speaking, like when we opened the show right now, I was like, "Damn, I sound professional." Okay. <laughs> yeah, until you start like swearing like a sailor. Mm-hmm. That doesn't. That's harder now. I went to that groundbreaking this week, and I let one f bomb go. Oh, just really? one. But yeah. So how many f bombs do you do you normally drop at your at your job? A lot. Especially because a hundred uh, does the same thing. On the scale, like, is it is it single digits or double digits? During the course of the day? Yeah. Depends on the day. Triple digits. No. <laughs> I would say probably single digits, but that's still a lot for an office environment. Yeah, that's true. But, like, I get away with it because it's my guys. And, like, Hunter swears a lot. Mm-hmm. Ruben will let one go every once in a while. Jeff mm-hmm. might every once in a while. But, like... You know, I told Ruben the other day I was tired of his shit. So do you like? <laughs> so do you like save up those f bombs for this podcast? <laughs> this podcast. I guess I just feel like more comfortable when I'm like swearing. Okay. Okay. Swear away. Swear away. That doesn't make me less professional on a podcast. No, it just makes you passionate. That's all. Yeah. Depends on the venue. On the venue. Mm-hmm. Well, we're in your kitchen. So. Yeah. So. F-bomb away. <laughs> it should, there should be it'll, like a, it'll kill all the stuff that's in here. There should be a sign saying F-bomb welcome <laughs> in your kitchen. <laughs> in this kitchen, we, we, we no. only have F-bombs. F-bombs encouraged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'll add more flavor to our food. <laughs> mm. They're filled with salt. I know. Is that four F-bombs? That's five, right? Mm-hmm. That's five. Salty. Ooh, I can taste that second one. <laughs> Um, you know what? I was gonna tell I was gonna tell a story related to aliens, but I think I'm gonna save that for a fire in the sky um, review. Okay. I I because like I think it, I it, I don't know it's, just, it's it, the setup will be a lot better. Okay. Um. So then, what you just want to get into it? Yeah, let's get let's just get into our our uh, recent review. Okay. Um, our recent review is No One Will Save You.
The synopsis is, an exiled, anxiety-ridden homebody must battle an alien who's found its way into her home. Directed and written by Brian Duffield. It stars... Oh, that's... Oh, sorry. No, go on, go on. It stars Caitlin Dever. Yeah. What? Nothing. I feel like that was like a question when you said the name. No, it said directed and written by Brian Duffield. Oh. Duffield, like, that's how I always say it. No, no, no. I, I, my, my brain went into, like, docket preparing mode because I had, like, fucked up the, the docket at, at one point and didn't oh. notice until later. Oh. So that's why I was like, oh, shit, shit, no, that's the wrong one. But we're good. Okay. <laughs> um. So, Kelsey. Yeah. What did you think of uh, No One Will Save You? Love this movie. Okay. All right. Why? What? What? What, what was so <clears throat> lovable? What's your over overall thoughts? This is the first suspense, like what is it called, sci-fi horror thriller? Yeah. Movie in a really, really long time to have me on pins and needles. Really? Yeah. And we had watched this like during the daytime. Yeah. Okay. Even though you were distracting too, I was I, still, you know. I was I was taking care of business on my phone, uh-huh. like looking up interesting trivia facts about the show, and checking my social show, movie, and checking out my social media. Mm-hmm. And stopping, and starting, and stopping, and starting. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. I have allergies right now. Excuses. So yeah, so. Um, you had mentioned that it's it, this. This it, it's, it's one of those movies that is, has affected you that way in a long time. Can you remember what was the uh, previous movie? No, it's been that long. I really don't. Know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's been a really, really long time. Okay, since before that bad freaking movie that we saw. What movie was that? Was it called Lights Out or something? Oh my god, that movie was so atrocious. Even since even before that. That was a screener, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That movie was so bad. <laughs> um, okay, so back to this movie. Um, what did you like about it? Um, so there's a few things. Mm. The first thing is the setup. Okay. Like, where it's based. Um, the type of story they're telling right from the beginning uh-huh. about the character. Um, the second thing is, um, I like how, you know, I guess there's like conjecture out there about whether you should show an alien or not. Uh Um, and I think this time is one of those times where it works that they do, where I usually agree Uh that you don't need to show the aliens. Um, because it gives more of like an air of suspense like in, in signs they really didn't show them that much yeah up until like the end right or, or like there was that one shot that's like middle of the movie but yeah there's no interaction with them until like closer into the third act or at the end of the third act yeah um yeah this one like shows them and and it's kind of like uh like a really great design and um pretty scary I, I have to agree with you about halfway. I, I like the design, but it's, it's, I feel like it could have been rendered better. 
some of you mean like the CGI quality wasn't as good as it could be? Yeah, yeah. Like it does this weird. There's there's a couple times, couple times it does this weird thing where like the aliens are walking, but it like turns like this kind of stiff mode, and like if they're almost like floating as they walk. You know how like oh, like, like if you're in a video game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a railroad type of like walking through and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the aliens—they do—they do look terrifying. Um, I think I think the reason why, I guess, because I'm par- I'm compared to the, like Fire in the Sky, where the aliens look like real, you know, even though it's like limited mobility and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie, like, they're more like practical effects. Of course, it was at that time they had to do practical effects. The budget was there and everything. Um, but yeah, the aliens—they to me they do look suspenseful, and I do have to agree that. Um, it was better that like they just show like the aliens like right out the gate. They're mm-hmm. like, we ain't fucking around. This is the story. Here's the aliens. X, Y, and Z. Here we go. Yeah. Um, I I've oh, wait, never. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. Um, I gotta tell you why else I like. Okay. 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 The challenge of this film uh-huh. is that it lacks dialogue. Really. Yeah, I say like less than like five percent. I would say less than two percent. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, for me, I, I feel like that was not... I mean, obviously, it was on purpose. Um, but I feel like they were like, let's just tell the story mm-hmm. with, you know, like, visually. And I feel like that kind of lends credence to not having um, any distractions from the part that's really terrifying. Yeah, I felt the lack of dialogue gave the movie a higher level of, like, suspense. Because if you ever watch... If you watch horror movies, when they're being, when the person's being chased, you know, they have to be, like, quiet. You know, like, dead quiet so that they won't be found. This movie has a lot of, like, quietness, and there's always a level of, like, suspense. Like, there's always, like, a creature around the corner or something back can happen at any moment mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think that's, like, that was one thing that, like, when I first watched it, I was, like... All right, I was because I was expecting dialogue. I'm thinking like, I wonder how they're gonna work this. You know, this girl's alone. There's not a whole lot of this and that and everything. Um, yeah, but for the most part, like the whole non-dialogue part, I was like, holy shit, like this this works. You know, it, it could have. Um, okay, I don't say. Well, it could have. For anybody else, could have like taken as like this is annoying or whatever. But I think, like I said, I think without the dialogue, it makes the movie much better for it. I think it. It lends to, without giving anything away, uh-huh. the situation that the character was in before the aliens even came. Uh-huh. Like, how, how isolated she is. Yeah. Um, you know, she's a homebody and she's, ex- like, exiled. There's already not really any dialogue in her life to begin with. Yeah. So then it just kind of makes you with her more because there's no dialogue and you're mm. it's just you and her uh-huh. so you're there you're exiled with her you know the, the funny thing is um like if we like if you watch a movie and if the character is talking to themselves you think in the context of the movie like okay that makes sense why they would talk to themselves and from a script writing aspect you have to kind of like keep the momentum like going with the dialogue and stuff like that right um it's so funny because like this movie plays out with so with like so little dialogue that I feel like if she was talking if she at one point talked to herself, I would have thought that was weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. I agree with you, especially like before everything picks up. Um, 
pops off. Um, I, I, I would actually, I would argue that from the from the second the movie starts, you get an idea of isolation because the way how the camera is a like an eagle, not an eagle, a bird's eye view of mm-hmm. a house. Yeah, and you see the house. There's nothing. There's nothing around the house but like trees and like a road. You know, and like the kind of cold faintness of the area. It's a beautiful, like you give it more, give it more color, more light. It would look beautiful, but like the coldness of the shot kind of already injected like the level of like isolation that we're going to be focusing on most of this movie. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of uh, the? What well, we're going to tackle both at the same time: the writing and the directing by Brian. I say Duffield. 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 And Brian. Brian Duffield. <laughs> Um, it was great. Uh, uh, I honestly think that the only person who could have directed this film would be the person who wrote it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because of how like feels kind of niche or like special. Like other directors probably couldn't do it justice, uh-huh. except maybe Jordan Peele. Um. Oh yeah, with um with Nope. No, there was a lot of dialogue in that one. No, no, no I know, but I'm talking about like in the, in terms of like uh, aliens and stuff, like aliens and invade, alien invasion and stuff like that. I, it honestly has nothing to do with that for me. It mm-hmm. it only has to do with the fact that he understands the use of silence. Yeah. Because there are lots of silent um, spaces with like intent mm. in his films. Um which adds to the horror aspect of his stuff um so yeah i really think that he did a great job it's really hard i think to write a story this way i really do wonder if he originally envisioned the story with dialogue and then decided it worked better without it later or if it started off this way um i don't know but i can definitely look it up yeah, hopefully we uh, we get to interview him some point in the future, and we can ask him. Um, and uh, I also think it's interesting that he chose a, a female instead of a male. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Sorry. Go on. Go on. I I just found an in- an article from People Magazine. It says no one will save you. Director explains how he wrote the weird alien movie with no dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, go on, so I can. No, go ahead. Uh, okay, so he said, quote, uh, a lot of the movie is about loneliness and self-isolation and the lack of community, so I knew it would be pretty stripped down, but I didn't think it would be no dialogue. Um, he continues, part of the terror of the movie is that Kathleen, Kath, Kath, Kathleen, sorry, Caitlin has, a figure, has to figure out what's going on by herself. The uh, field says of why he did not want the, the character to be tipped off about the alien earlier from No One Will Help Her. Um... Okay, here we go. Okay, this I think this this is the part we want. Um, I was about halfway into writing the script, and I realized she hadn't spoken. And at that point, you're just kind of like, well, she's about to go back to the her house, and then there's no people in the rest, he's, he adds. So it's just a matter of like... It was on accident, but he's like, oh, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like this totally works, you know? Um, So then I got it right then. Right now, I validated myself. Yeah. No, not with that. About... The fact that there's no dialogue lending to the fact that she's isolated and oh yeah um, nobody will talk to her anyway. So like it's just like literally just her. Yeah, I actually wouldn't mind looking at the script and just seeing the uh, the scene direction 
mm-hmm. and like point by point because like when you write a script you're not supposed to have it's supposed to be like a mixture of both scene direction and like dial or stage direction and like dialogue and stuff like that so i'd imagine it's like each each one is just like scene direction scene direction scene direction scene direction like over and over and that again. must feel a lot like writing a book yeah exactly in a way yeah except there's usually dialogue in a book too there are long stretches without dialogue though yeah that's true i think like what old man in the boat or some shit like that the Aaron Hemingway book mm-hmm. probably something like that I don't know I've never read it I'm just assuming I have no I don't even know what that is I know who Ernest Hemingway is kinda I probably got the title wrong I know that name exists but I don't <laughs> I know it's literary that's it uh, I'm uneducated you stop it that's the point of this show to educate yeah, to educate about <laughs> book authors. Yeah, that's gonna be our spinoff podcast. Uh, the real no, yeah, the real R E A L book. <laughs> no, real reading. There you go. Real reading. Real reading. Um. So yeah. Okay. Um, I thought the actress was really great. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, she has to she has to sell the shit out of this movie because it's. All her, mm-hmm. you know. There are part, there are points in the parts of the movie where she like interacts with other people, but it's all her. Um, well, even her interaction with a specific couple people was like words could have been mm-hmm. exchanged, yeah, and it they weren't. It was just all look and like the feel from that interaction. Yeah, yeah. Which like it worked. Like I said, it it's amazing that. Um, how do you say her name? Oh, uh, Caitlin Dever. Yeah, Caitlin De- Dever. How Caitlin Dever um, is able to convey this level of like emotion and like inner thoughts and stuff like that, and not not in an over exaggerated way. Over exaggerated way, like she has to like really use her body and her facial expression and stuff like that. Um, she does it in a subtle way that comes off. I'm just gonna sound kind of weird. Human. Um, like relatable yeah relatable mm-hmm. human like less robotic and stuff like that more skillful mm-hmm. um which it's it's i've seen her like the, the only time i've ever seen her act in anything wasn't justified and she was like one of the best parts of of that series um so seeing her do this role um and within like 10 or 15 minutes i was like all right like she's got this you know mm-hmm. obviously they're coming time they're coming times when she could have um failed but not like there was no parts like even even until like the midpoint or into the third act i was like god damn she's got it going <laughs> did she do any running in justified <clears throat> yeah probably i think so she did a lot of running in this movie she, well, she like had, a she lot had, of running she had to get away she's not gonna she's well, not gonna she, <laughs> there were times where she wasn't exactly getting away she was just running to another spot yeah she's not gonna power walk her way but she wanted to hurry up i get it but like yeah. it was like constant running almost i mean it's an alien invasion, so yeah. Yeah, but usually there are beats. There weren't very many in this one. Uh huh. Where you're like, you have to kind of not be running because people don't function that way. <laughs> yeah, she 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 did look at the alien and was like, "T T, need to take a break, homie." <laughs> Maybe she's Tom Cruise in training. Probably. Mm. No. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably this she doesn't have enough uh finesse for her running mm. but you know she can train that way <laughs> <laughs> that's her inspiration seeing tom cruise run she's like that i want that <laughs> <laughs> all right um 
You want to hop into the spoiler section? Yeah. Spoiler section. Spoiler section. All right. So we're going to get into the spoiler section. Uh, we're going to talk at great lengths about no, no way to live. I don't know why I had that movie in my head. Anyway, talk at great lengths about no one will save you. So if you don't want to be spoiled, here's your spoiler bumper right about now. Alright. What scene scared the shit out of you the most? Um I think it probably had to be the scene where she was like on the ceiling. Oh, and that thing was going in her mouth? Yeah. Yeah. That that's like a very slow, intense, like um moment that had been like building up building and building for the most most part of the movie. Especially see how you see like the things that are in those like people's throats and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, I I kind of feel like I kind of feel like that's why the movie works the most for me is mm-hmm. that it doesn't have like regular jump scare movies where there's like little parts of like uh scary now we're not scary like it was like a like building up the whole time to something bigger. Um, and it was relatable in the fact that everyone has that fear of mm. something chasing them or something watching them not being able to get away. Uh, um, and I mean, so, I mean, not even just like one thing. There's like multiple versions of the, the of the aliens that are after mm-hmm. her. Um, and then you know, obviously, like that thing going in her mouth was pretty gross. I think what like what like put the cherry the cherry on that cake was when the thing goes in her mouth and her eye does like this horrible twitch like it twitches up like in an unnatural way mm-hmm. um that part was like Ugh. <laughs> you know what fascinates me is everyone does this writing almost everyone does writes it this way when something happens mm. and their mind is altered mm. And you go into like this dream state where you don't know if you're in reality or if you're dreaming, mm-hmm. um, but you tend to believe that you're dreaming. The the thing is, do you give into the dream uh-huh. and stay there, or do you fight your way out? And most of the time, the characters mm. end up fighting their way out. Uh, I'll most I- of the time. Well, I'll, I'll even go a little, little bit further. When they get, when the thing is in her mouth and it kind of like brings, it to, brings her into this alternate reality, you have to kind of think about the other people that were infected. Like what stuff that, what stuff were they given as, as an alternate reality so that they can like succumb to the, uh, to the creatures inside of them and stuff like that. Like it, it the scene focuses on her, but it's also like, oh, everybody, everybody else has something like this. Mm-hmm. Without even like explicitly saying it or anything like that. Kind of, but I think actually it goes opposite of that. Oh really? Okay. Because not everyone has the same things that they're going through. Otherwise, she would have ended up exactly like them. They couldn't break free mm-hmm. because they didn't deal with the pain that she did. No, no, I know, I know that. But uh, I mean, obviously, that's 
I agree with you 100% on that. That's like on more on a deeper level, but I'm talking about surface wise, they're given whatever, maybe somebody. Oh, there's like some sort of uh, memory that can be exploited in everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or some type of like fantasy or something like that, that they're just like, no, actually, I would take that back. I'm, I, I would imagine that a fantasy wouldn't work because we're all in our DNA. We're all we all fight against a fantasy because we can see some form of like that is not real. Mm-hmm. It's too perfect, you know. So they probably did have something where like they're given some type of like excellent life. That's like their inner desire or something like that. So I hope this doesn't sound insensitive, but my curiosity is like. I wonder how this movie would tell, uh, explain away neurodivergent people. That's interesting. Like if you were really, really like autistic or Mm. like you had something else that I don't know the name of, Mm. like how, how would that affect you? Like if you really don't care that much about something or... How would it affect a sociopath? I was just thinking about that, like a, or like a, psych- a psychopath. His fantasy just murdering people nonstop. Well, so a psychopath still has desires. Yeah, and the desires just to murder somebody. Yeah, so I think that if they put him in that state, that'd mm, be fine. But yeah. like sociopaths, like need attention. Yeah. And I don't know that an alien would know how to give them that, like create it, mm. not from their memory. Uh, probably like family members finally paying attention to them or like giving them whatever they want, like in, in terms of like emotions or attentions or um, some type of like control in nature that they might have. Probably. <laughs> or would they even be able to do that? Because you know, like most brains work the same, but if a brain doesn't work the same way as someone else's, <laughs> then they're like, uh, what do I do? I, I don't know. Those aliens are like, all right. Phew. Hit him, it, hit him with a laser. And then it's natural selection and reverse. <laughs> Seriously. <right? laughs> like, if you're normal, you die. Mm. And if you have, you know, if you, um, what are they called? Um, gifted and talented. Mm. There's some, some sort of thing that I learned from the school. It's gate, but it's like gifted and talented something. Oh, okay. Um, that... Some you land somewhere on the spectrum from like ADD to like other stuff. Um, Is that, that idiot- those people are the only ones who survive. <laughs> Is that like idiot savant or something like that? Well, not that severe, no. But oh, okay. like my kids both tested that. Oh really? Yeah. Didn't you say you were in that program too in school? Oh, oh it's all gate. Gate, yeah, but it means like I think it's an actual broader term. I I was in gate, but I was only in there for like a week or two. Um, I purposely got out of gate because I miss my friends. Yeah. Besides, I heard like gate is like full of shit anyway. It's not. Oh okay. No, they they take kids on like field trips and like. Oh, this is this is what okay. This is what I've. I, I know we're going we're going on on a way tangent, but we'll come back. This is what I have seen, you know, uh, before when it comes to people who are in gate, in gate that it, they feel they have this sense of like. Um, always having to prove that they're smart or their their value or they they're at this high high bar and they have to constantly like reach that high bar. But all it does is bring like anxiety and like depression because they're led to believe that they're special 
And then as it gets older, they're just like, that was just a class that, like, thought I was special. And they kind of, like, crash after that. Yeah. I don't know. Never heard that. Oh, okay. All right. So back to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one particular shot that I remember scared the shit out of me. Which one? It was the part where um, Brian? Brian? Bryn? Bryn. 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 Bryn? Bryn. That's mm-hmm. a weird name. Where That's the, a very uh, middle America white girl Is name. it really? Mm-hmm. It's like Brie. Uh-huh. Like Bryn. Like, Bryn. Yeah. Um, where, where Bryn has... She's fought, she's fought off that small alien. That cutesy little alien. The, I call it the corgi alien. <laughs> the little tiny one? Yeah. And she like gets out. It made me think of the the American Dad alien. Oh, Roger. Yeah. Funny thing is, uh, my daughter said I looked like Roger at one point. Yeah, with I know. My ball. Oh, I told you that. Okay. Um, but she's going through her asshole teenage years. That's very true. So, and uh, she also has a lot of you in her. So already she's kind of yeah <laughs> screwed. I mean, that doesn't fall. The apple doesn't fall far. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the, the scene where like she she fall, she gets out of the house, and she looks over like a shed no I mean, no she doesn't even look her head's turned and you can see the alien like over the shed like looking at her mm-hmm. and you can you can just you can just make out like its figure but you see the eyes the piercing eyes that always scares the shit out of me in like certain movies where it's like total darkness and all you see is their eyes house on haunted hill did that didn't they they used they had a lot of wide space and a lot of times you didn't notice the thing until it made itself apparent the original or the remake the remake i barely remember that movie i remember not being it's scared. a series wasn't it or was it a movie are you talking about um house on haunted hill no um oh, the, ha- Mike- the haunting of hill house, house yeah sorry <laughs> jesus i was like vincent price or the one with no paris hilton was house of wax okay sorry go on yeah yeah they did yeah yeah um House on Haunted Hill. No, uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Sorry, The Haunting of... I'm saying it now. The Haunting of Hill House did the same thing with a lot of negative space um, and a lot of, like, piercing eyes of creatures, like, in the corners, in the shadows or something like that, right? Where this movie does it that one time and you could... The alien makes a noise Mm. and, like, she turns around and looks at it, right? In my mind, I don't went like, fuck that. I'm running immediately. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But... What made it worse is, like, you got an idea that, like, this alien is, like, on top of the roof, like, peeking his head. Because that's all she's seeing is, like, certain, certain these certain two aliens that's normal size and mini size, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it walks out almost, like, crab-like style. Like it has long, skinny spider legs? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like... And then like, it does, like, a gang sign. <laughs> It looked, it looked like an hourglass. Like, he's part of the hourglass gang a clan or some shit mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, like, that whole scene was like, wow, fuck this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I, but I love, like, I love that scene, though. At the same time, fuck that, fuck that scene, but I like that scene. The other thing I really like about this film is that the normal defense mechanisms you would use to protect yourself from any regular intruder... Uh-huh. does not work because they have like telekinetic uh, abilities 
Yeah. So they can literally move anything, unlock anything. It doesn't matter. Blast holes and things. Yeah, blow a door open. So you can't just go in somewhere and hide. Yeah, you know what? It it just dawned on me how much, how much the how much of the movie like takes place in the house, Mm -hmm. and how she constantly has to like think on her, think on her feet, right? Um, But like. Like the aliens, like don't let up. I I feel like I feel like there's like a good twenty minutes of this movie where like she's constantly being chased, mm-hmm. you know, and not in a boring way where she's like running one path and you know hiding around the corner, but she's like has to narrow like all rooms of the house, you know. At one point she gets to the basement and she thinks she's like good in hiding when she has like a pair of scissors and shit like that, um, and an al- another another alien is just like hide. It's like with her, like hey, what are you doing? Are you, are you, why are you hiding in there? Mm. Um, she gets into like defensive mode, holding the scissors, and the alien just like waves his fingers, mm-hmm. like blows the scissors away. You know, like if they can do that over a pair of scissors, who knows what they can do just from like somebody holding a gun? Yeah, seriously. I think it was funny the thing. I think they knocked her out by slamming a fridge door in her face or something like that. No, she it was got some she, sort of door. She got she got hit, she got blasted with a door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then <laughs> lights out. Um, yeah, when that when I saw that happen, I was like, "Ooh!" Like, <laughs> I felt also, that one. The false, uh, the false sense of security. Right? She gets out of her house. She ends up in town. Cool. There, she's around other people. She's gonna be fine. Uh. But then she's like. Yeah, she even like goes to the police and everything. Well, she went to the police station, and that's where she saw the. Her friends, mom and dad. Yeah. Um, but she's like, no, I, this isn't going to work out. And then she tried to get on a bus. Yeah. She's like, fucking finally, I'm free. Right. Yeah. And the bus was filled with, like, infected people. Yeah, there's, like, a couple in there. And it was like. <laughs> it wasn't even just them. There were, a, a, like, a, most of the bus was yeah. that. Um. All right. So one thing, one thing that I had. What I got from the movie is like an underlying message of coming to like confronting your demons, uh, your past demons, um, because how, um, which I think it's it's, it's skillful in in the writing by um, uh, Duffield, um, uh, Duffield, Duffield. Sorry, it's skillful how his writing is to explain that like there was like a something happened between her and her friend um, because she's like writing letters. She's writing letters to somebody, right? And you're like, okay, there's somebody that she missed and something happened to them, mm-hmm. right? So you're kind of led to believe, like, okay, maybe it was a death or maybe it was, like, a fight or something like that. She feels really bad. Um, but as the story progresses, you find out that, like, oh, when she was a kid, she hit her best friend in the head with a rock over, an ar- like, during an argument, mm-hmm. right? Which answers a lot of questions of stuff that was uh, laid out during the movie. Like, for example, like, the friend about those two people that like she bumped into and one like spit in her face mm-hmm. um there's this really cool shot where like they're in the aliens are in her mind she's reliving the whole thing she, and you see the you see the father and you're like okay so that must have been the mother then you see it goes further back uh, and then you see the argument and mm-hmm. it goes a little further back and you see like the rock yeah and stuff like that which i thought I, I thought like wow that's like some great writing with no dialogue like mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yep. Um, and then it even like takes it even takes a turn where it's like okay it's about grieving. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, I also think it has a lot to do with surviving. Like, you get to a point where mm. we, even when things look really bad, yeah, people still have the will to survive. Like, yeah, that exactly. instinct still kicks in. Yeah, even though she, like, she has nothing really to live for because her friend's dead, mother's nobody's dead. Talking to her. Nobody's talking Yeah, it's complete isolation, and she's still like, I gotta survive. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that ending was saying? That ending was <laughs> was amazing. Okay, that was an amazing ending because it was so twisted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, on the surface, it's obviously on the surface, it's the aliens have taken over, but they're sympathetic to her. Which I was that that leaves a question of like why? Oh, okay. That leads to the question of, like, why her in particular? Like, they go in her mind and everything like that. Um, what do these aliens know to be more sympathetic towards her? They've been chasing her this entire time. Mm-hmm. Right? So why why do they feel sorry for her? But at the same time, I'm thinking, like, she's probably not the only one. Maybe other people have kind of come to an understanding with, with the aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I'm saying. Neurodivergent people probably would be fine. Yeah. Because they'd be like, I don't want to fuck with them. Yeah. Like, uh, we get those people. <laughs> I thought the... Uh, I forgot what the... Let me see. I wrote it down somewhere. I forgot where... What the... Um, actually, you talk while I find this. Because I, I found the, the the singer's name for the, for the song at the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was interesting that she... That she was dancing and everything with you know the people that were infected uh-huh. uh, with the little throat aliens yeah um it was like i honestly don't really know what the aliens got out of it but i know what she got out of it was like she got her sense of community back yeah she's no like her her demeanor's changed like she just at, at the beginning of the movie she just so happened to learn like how to dance and she was like okay this is the opportunity for me to dance well, actually, I think I know what the the moral is right there, mm-hmm. and that is um, that y- if you feel like an alien in your own community or like in your own everyday life, uh-huh. you're going to be isolated. But if you find a community of people who are essentially aliens in their own right, then you're going to be accepted, and you you'll you have your community of other like like alien people if that mm. makes sense like people no, who don't sense. fit in with other people it makes sense it makes sense um the artist who um the artist who sang that song her name is ruby ruby Mori murray um let me find the name of the song because i because i heard that song i was like i gotta shazam that shit <laughs> uh oh it's called knocking any door mm-hmm. that's the name of the song and then if you listen to if you listen to the lyrics it talks about like the fact that it's like knocking on the door, you'll like you'll be welcome in this town. This is my home and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it was like <laughs> that's to me that was like that. This movie, <laughs> this movie's fucking twisted <laughs> and brilliant because yeah, yeah, they absolutely. play that song in the beginning too. Oh, kind of like foreshadowing, right? Well, uh-huh. not just that, but in the beginning, it was kind of like um, something intangible. She doesn't have that. She can't just knock on any door, but yeah. she, you know, still had hope for that and was still listening to the music and enjoying the music. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it was like, yeah, she really can knock on any door now. <laughs> like, yeah, they'll welcome. Because, you we'll, know, they'll all dance with her. Yeah, welcome her with open arms. Yeah. Yeah, that's a 
It's a great movie. Um, so, would you say people should check it out? Mm-hmm. I've told uh, a few people already at work. Oh, really? Yeah, like watch this movie. I mean, I, I've been, I've been here, I've been seeing a lot of people, you know, social media and stuff like that, talking about the movie, how great it is. Fucking Guillermo del Toro was like, go watch this movie. <laughs> you know, that, uh, that's high, high remark. Oh, absolutely. Like he got like deep. Deep into like the mythology of the, the I'm sorry the theology of the movie about how it's um, I can't I don't remember the exact words but he he got into how it's related to was it Judaism some form of religion I can't remember what it was because the guy was like the guy was like I'm Irish Catholic but well, yes like you're right <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um, so yeah I mean if you get high regards from Gilmore Del Toro you're like Psh, come on man you're on fucking cloud nine mm-hmm. that shit. i can't wait to see what else he does yeah this is the second movie this is a sophomore movie so what was this first one this movie called spontaneous that rings the bell but i don't think i saw it um it came out i think it came out like well five years ago uh, let me have, let me look that up real quick oh i was gonna say too i think it's interesting that they chose a girl to be the lead in the movie, not a guy. Three years ago, twenty twenty. Do you think? Do you think they that he purposely did that? That he did that because he thought um, that was that would be more that that that'll get the audience more sympathy for the character. Probably, I think it's probably harder to write sympathy for a guy. Yeah. You know, like if a guy hits his friend over the head with a rock, uh-huh. he was just being rough and kind of an asshole. Yeah. Plus, like I don't know, I feel like if if he, I feel I feel like if the director had cast a male lead, it would it would seem more boring and stuff like that. Like this has like, I mean, it's not it's not like something new. Like oh, girls trying to survive in a horror film, but like it's different when it's like an introduction and there's no dialogue and all the pieces that works with this movie. It just seemed to work better with a female lead. And they made sure not to make her weak. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that's also a great thing. Yeah, make her weak or, like, over-sexualized or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just, she's like an average girl just trying to survive. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'll i agree with Kelsey that uh, definitely should check it out. I know we're a bit late on this episode, but if you haven't watched it, y'all need to go watch it, like, ASAP. now. Now. Right now. Yeah. So I'll listen to the podcast and then come back. Wait, you're in spoiler section. You already watched it. If not, you should have watched it. <laughs> All right, what do we got next? Um, next, we're gonna do our variety time. So, the Writers Guild of America, right? WGA. That's what it stands for. Yes. Uh, the strike is over for writers. Yes. Um, th- I mean, this was making a lot of headlines because the WGA strike had been going on for like over five months. Which like it's lo- it's the longest strike uh, for the WGA in history. How long has it been for the Screen Actors? Not that long. Maybe like thirty days or something like that. It's a, it's a small number. Oh, you talking about like currently for the. For the yeah. SAG? Because um, it's almost as long. No, I'd say maybe like two months. Maybe two months. Mm. That's the one to me that's like going to have a lot more issues. Um, I think, well... And also, 
the writers guild i i feel like the strike is over but they're still negotiating i feel like nope they're they're good they're good they got a contract made and everything they, oh. they are good to go but you do have to take into an account um that the wga strike is over but the actors is not and they still can't make anything because mm-hmm. there's still no actors Right. So it's like nothing's being made or produced. So now the WGA is like, okay, like they had, they had um, funds and um, charities and stuff like that to like support them. Now are those charities still going to stand because SAG is SAG AFTRA is still on strike. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that since this strike happened, this strike ended for WGA, the the SAG one's going to happen. The the SAG one's going to happen. It's going to end soon. Yeah, I think that it the fact that the WGA just ended their strike and made a deal, mm-hmm. um, that brought negotiations to the table for SAG-AFTRA, too. Yeah, because they were... Because they, were, uh, they weren't negotiating at all. Yeah, they were the two were striking in solidarity. Mm-hmm. Like, you would see both of them uh, together. Right. Um, yeah, I, I went to... Was it last Wednesday, I think it was? Um, I actually went to one of their protests uh, where we marched to Paramount Studios at the front gates. Um, so there was a lot of like WGA writers, uh, WGA members, and SAG-AFTRA uh, members as well. Um, Noah Wiley was there, Charlie Hunnam. Uh, I saw that Oscar uh, Oscar Isaac was there, along with Margot Robbie, or Roby. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, crown, the, the, the crowning moment, the happy moment I had encountered was um, Bowman uh Robert C. Sorry, C. Robert Cargill, mm-hmm. who's a writer. Uh, just kind of give you an idea. He wrote like The Black Phone with uh, Scott Durkinson. He also, with him because they're writing partners, they also wrote like Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. the first one, and bumping into him. I was like, Oh my god, you see Robert Cargill? He's like, Yes, I am. I'm like, Hey man, I haven't read your books. I love your script writing. Your script writing. Uh, what's it? Paralysis. <laughs> your script writing he's like oh man he's like oh man thanks I appreciate it and you can tell he wanted to like have a conversation with me mm-hmm. but I was so like <laughs> that I was like hey man like I love to talk to you but hey we got some work to do <laughs> oh <laughs> when, my god <laughs> it was cool though anyway um, so yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the things that came in the contract with the WGA um after the negotiation with the uh, AMTP, AMPTP. Um, so it was this article I found. You can find it on the uh, the WGA website. Um, to the following is a summary of the deal terms for the uh, 2023 NBA. Uh, it is a simplified version of the memorandum uh, of agreement. Memorandum. Thank you. Which contains the full text of the news, uh, the new provisions. Uh, the language of the MOA controls in the case of an inconsistency with the summary. Unless amended in 2023, negotiations and provisions of the 2020 NBA remain unchanged. So there's a lot. There's a lot in here, um, but we're going to cover up. We're going to cover up. We're going to cover some of the stuff that were uh, that were getting a lot of attention because of the strike. One was the artificial intelligence part. Um, so it says we have we have established regulations for the use of artificial intelligence on NBA covered projects in the following ways. So these are the bullet points. 
Uh, bullet point one, AI can't write or rewrite literary material, and AI-generated material will not be considered source material under the NBA, meaning that the AI-generated material uh, can be used for uh, to undermine the writer's credit or separate it rights. That was a big thing for the, the WGA. Mm-hmm. They were like, you can't use art because it's that would allow studios to be like, we don't need writers. We can have this AI write the next Marvel movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one huge thing they were fighting. Um, there is also there is still a benefit though. Uh, another point was uh, writer can choose to use AI when performing writing services. If the company consists consists and provided that the writer follows uh, amicable company policies, but the company can't require the writer to use AI software, uh, uh, e.g., Chat Chat GPT. Um, so I don't have a problem with this because this allows the writer to be like, all right, I have an idea, I don't know how to get to it, so Chat GP, Chat Chat GPT. I want a story with X, Y, and Z, and it's going to amount to this. Mm-hmm. And so they take inspiration from that, and they're like, all right, we roll with that. Right. You so know? it's like having a writing partner. Yeah, exactly. Or like just like a little bit of inspiration. People people get that all the time. They read a book, and they're like, oh, I can totally do something with this and make it into a script. Mm-hmm. Uh, another point was the company must disclose to the writer if any materials given to the writer have been generated by AI or incorporated AI mater- generated material. That's valid. Mm-hmm. That's 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 legit. Um, and the last bullet point is the WGA reserves the right to assert the ex- ex- exploitation of writers' material. To train AI is prohibited by NBA or other law. Um, so pretty much, no studio can be like, "Hey, let's train this G- this AI to yeah. write new scripts based off feeding it old scripts, so it can get the format down." Exactly. Exactly. Um, so another point was the streaming, um, streaming rights, um, or getting, sorry, residuals for writers when it comes to streaming, uh, increased foreign streaming residuals, foreign streaming residuals will now be based on the streaming services, number of foreign subscribers for services available globally amount to 76% increase to the foreign residuals of the service, which largest group subscriber base over three years. Um, I feel like this is more towards like Netflix. I don't understand anything you just said. So that's this is pretty much saying any writers that has done foreign has sorry any writers from foreign streaming services they get some sort of cyber residuals bump ups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe this is more towards uh, okay. For instance, Netflix three year. Foreign residual will increase from the current 18, uh, 18,684 for a one hour episode to twenty to 32,000. Um, so from my understanding, whatever residuals they get from these seg- from these episodes, writers, they're like, boom, boom, boom. Like, here's your portion of it as well. Yeah. Um, another big part was like the was a streaming uh, transparency. Uh, the companies agreed to provide the guild subject to confidentiality agreement the total number of hours streamed, but domestic, both domestically and internationally, a self-produced high-budget streaming programs, e.g., a Netflix original series. The guild may share the information with memberships in uh, aggregated form. I think this is a huge one. I think that one's major, major. Yeah, because a lot of streaming services, especially Netflix, they're like, 
hey, this is the number one movie in America because of so many watches. But they never say, well... How did they get to that? Yeah, like, what's, what's your unit of measurement and stuff like that? Was it like, did they watch it five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes for the whole hour and stuff like that? So this allows more transparency to kind of, like, get those numbers and to, kind of, and to be able to work with, like, all right, this is how much you guys make, so we should get, like, a cut of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't say anything about not sharing it with the public. Yeah. But I, I'm sure that's stipulated somewhere, like, this is, like... This, this is I like, mean, they don't need to tell the the public anyway. They just need to make sure that their members are getting paid. Okay, my mistake. It does say subject to confidentiality agreement, so they can't share the information with people. Yeah, with with yeah, with with the normal with regular folks. But they still have to with WGA. WGA. Yeah, exactly. Um, let me see. So there's another section, increased compensation for series employee employment, weekly pay for staff writer script fees. Um, weekly increase, the minimum weekly increase for staff writers and Article 14 writers. Story editors, executive, will increase by the overall overall minimal, minimal increase uh, 4 to 4-5% to 3.5%. Uh, the increase of staff writers go into effect immediately for those story editors, executive story editors go in effect Sunday after uh, ratification. So they get a, a pay bump. But it seems kind of whack. It's something. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Okay, wait, here, let me see. Uh, the rates. Okay, there will be new writer produce tier, producer tier, uh, co-producer level and above. Uh, oh, okay. All right, that's not too bad. Okay, just here, just kind of give you an idea. Um so writer producer uh, weekly minimums. Okay, term of employment it's up to up to nine weeks. The first year eleven thousand dollars. So right there you're making like you're making eleven thousand dollars for nine weeks of work. That's not bad. That's not bad. Ten uh ten to nineteen weeks. Let me see nine thousand twenty weeks plus. Eight. Oh okay, so it's picked up by eleven thousand. Okay, so you're getting you're getting more. So. Okay, so from my understanding, the first nine weeks, you get 11000 And then you make it 10 to 19 weeks, you get 9000 on top of that. Mm-hmm. And then if you make it 20 weeks and plus, you get 8000 on top of that. A week? Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. No, for, I'm sorry. For the entire however many weeks. Yeah, yeah. Like up to nine weeks, 11000 Boom, that's it. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you make it to 10 to 19 weeks, you get another, you get 9000 on top of that. And then if you make it 20 weeks, you get 8000 on top of that. Mm-hmm. Those are specific numbers, um, but just kind of give you. I'm just rounding it off to kind of give you an idea. Gotcha. Um, so you probably want to try and keep it within those nine weeks, so you can move on to the next project. Move on to the next project, or you can be like, I want to. I want to stay in this room because I'm get. I'll get an additional like nine thousand dollars for for like I'm stacked on top of the eleven thousand. Right, but to me, that's not economical. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, like I'd want to be done after nine weeks so I could get on to the next thing and make 11000 as opposed to nine. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, um, I mean, it's not, it's, you I know. I mean, it's not all just money, but. Well, it, I mean, you're not guaranteed like, okay, I'm out. All right, I got another gig. You know, you can probably like still work, try to figure out like what your next gig and stuff like that. But some of these writers, they just want to stick around because it's hard finding it's hard finding gigs you leave one gig there'll be another writer getting that gig Mm -hmm. so like you might want to stick around for a while um just to make sure you have like a what's it called like a steady income 
Yeah. Um, development uh, room premiums. Uh, writers of an, writers of any tile working in pre greenlit rooms of at least three writers include a pre pre sorry pre greenlit room between seasons of a show will be paid premium rates up to guarantees of nineteen weeks. So that's like you're set. You're guaranteed nineteen weeks, mm-hmm. which is this is pretty dope. If writers are guaranteed twenty weeks or more. The premium doesn't apply. The development room rates will be 25% above the highest regular rate. Rate. These rates will go into effect new contracts beginning November 2023. Uh, so development room rates up to 19 weeks. A staff writer gets about 6000 Story editor, executive story editor gets about 12000 And writer, producer, uh, 14214214 Um yeah, so it's like up to nine. Yeah, it's depending on your position, the more obviously the more money you can get, and it's like a it's a it's an increase now, mm-hmm. which I think that's that's pretty dope too. Um. Oh, nice. Staff writers must be paid script fees for the episodes they write. Wow, I didn't think they were doing that. They weren't getting paid script fees for writing an episode. They weren't. No, they weren't. Oh, that's shitty. Yeah. Now they're like, yeah, you guys are getting paid now. Yeah, because they technically we're working for exposure uh-huh. <laughs> like and unless you're like on a star wars or something oh here's a nice one too it's this is under staff and duration provision of for episodic series um it's so within that section is another one saying development rooms once three writers are convened before the series order at least three writers producers include the showrunner are guaranteed 10 consecutive weeks of employment that's mm. dope. That's ten. That's ten weeks of like you got a you got a job. Yeah. Um. Development rooms where get, where writers are guaranteed twenty weeks of work or more are treated as post greenlit rooms. For these rooms on first season shows, the minimum staff size required will be three writer producers, including the showrunner. So here's the thing. Um. There's these things. There, there are these things in the industry called. I think there's called like because there's there's writer rooms, right? There's like a set number of writers, but there's some, let's just say like something's called like a smaller writer room. I'm just calling it that, but because I don't remember the name of it, where it's only like one or two writers, and they have to like shovel out all these scripts like really fast mm-hmm. um, because it's cheaper, it's more cost efficient. These are like no. You're, you have to guarantee, like, for a show that's six or fewer episodes, uh, minimum writers in the writer's room is three. Uh, minimum, minimum number of writers, producers in the room is three. So that's six people. Mm-hmm. They have to be there, right? For seven to 12 episodes, it's minimum writers are five, and then writers, producers, three. 13 episodes, six, six writers, and three writer producers. So the number, so each number that picks up, you have to have a certain number of writers, um, because that burns out writers a lot if it's only like two, like two of them or some shit like that, mm-hmm. um, and the material gets like worse and worse over time, and that like that screws up people's like paychecks and shit like that. I also feel like it's gonna be kind of harder for the uh, production companies to fuck with stories that way. Egg. Exactly. Because they get so involved and they just keep making money off of IPs because uh-huh. it's cheaper. Yeah. And like that. So it's like, okay, we have an IP. 
So for like studio, the production companies, they have an IP. We don't need three writers. We need four writers. We need like one or two. They'll get the same thing, you know. Because basically, the production company is going to make the story anyway. Yeah, yeah, and then like, well, it's an IP. It's going to like guarantee us money anyway because it's an IP. Um, now the studio, now the WGA is like, no, you got to have at least three writers, mm-hmm. like at least, you know. Um, and of course, them having less than three writers, them not even guaranteeing these three writers will have consecutive work. That sh- that obviously saves the production a lot of money. But these studios, they make billions of dollars like over the summer alone. Mm-hmm. Um, a perfect example is like Universal made like nine hundred million dollars off of Oppenheimer alone. Uh, Barbie, which is Barbie, which is now considered WB's highest grossing movie like ever. Mm-hmm. Like right there, that's that's one movie over a billion dollars, mm-hmm. and you're gonna tell me they're gonna be like, oh, we can't really afford, yeah, afford other writers and stuff like that because it's not cost efficient or some shit. It's like, dude, what the f- no? Yeah, also stop making shitty movies. <laughs> if you're not making your money back, you uh, did something wrong. Yeah, yeah. Or they like just, you can't blame it on the writers or directors. Or it can be like written off or some shit like that. Like yeah. it, what's it called? Like, uh, like a tax, tax write off. Yeah, exactly. I wonder, too, um, this kind of brings up, what are they going to do about movie theaters? That's a whole separate ballgame. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, I know there, I don't think there's, like, any real union for that, but, um, like, take, for example, um, the our local Regal uh. is trash. It's garbage. Um even though they upgraded their seats to leather over the pandemic. The pandemic oh, yeah, wasn't that long ago, but they're fucking cracked and everything. Yeah, it's called the IATSE. Uh, International, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that So that includes, like, theater companies? Um, this is Labor Union represents uh, artists and craftspeople, technicians, operation, f- operators in film, television, and live productions, stage directors, and choreographers, societies. Okay. So, no. Operators in film... Yeah, operators in film, television, live production. Yeah. I think that means like cameramen. <laughs> yeah. Not regal. No, no. Like, here's the question. Are movie theater workers unionized in the IOTC? Okay. Oh, these are just the workers alone. Yeah, I'm talking about the big theater chains. Like, I, I highly doubt that. I highly doubt they're unionized. No, I don't think they are. I'm just saying they're, they do have groups, though. Oh, okay. And I wonder who's going to negotiate, like, if they're even close to negotiating on their own part because they're not making back their overhead. You uh-huh. you see their lack of employees and, like, all that stuff. And they can't, you know, they used to come in and, like, patrol and make sure people aren't doing shit. And so oh, yeah, I remember that. They're yeah, not yeah. doing that anymore. Yeah. They're just, and people are talking and, like, yeah. there's, like, we have... A running joke about the screens with the dead pixels. <laughs> oh, yeah, which theater are we gonna get? We're we gonna get one, two, or three dead pixels. Let's find out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that I mean that goes along with like let's say like Regal or AMC, right? Mm-hmm. They come to the studios and they're like, okay, what kind of deal that we can make? What kind of deal can we make so you can get we can get your picture in our movie theater? You know? Yeah. Well, it uh, just seems like AMC is making better deals from themselves than Regal is. Yeah, probably. I mean, re- AMC seems like they're doing better. Yeah, they do. I, 
I don't know I why. Like I don't know why I'm arguing about like AMC or Regal. Yeah, Kelsey's right. We've, there's our local Regal. Fucking sucks. I know. I'm like, let's switch because we had the we have the um, unlimited yeah, with the Re- Regal, and I'm like, let's once your membership ends because uh-huh. I'm already month to month now. Uh-huh. Let's just go to AMC. It probably will. I guess because I'm like a, I'm a creature of habit of like no. No, been, me too. We've been on Regal forever. Let's just stick with it. And then every fucking time we've gone to the theater, there's some rude ass person either talking or doing some shit that they act like they're in their fucking home. Yeah. It's fucking annoying. Except the last time it was funny because someone was sleeping. What movie did we watch? A Haunting in Venice. Yeah, somebody fell asleep while watching The Haunting in Venice. That was hilarious snoring um so yeah that's how i feel about all of that and i'm glad they got taken care of now we are going to do our geriatric cinematic of robert lieberman's fire in the sky How does it think? What makes it move? Why does it breathe? Questions anyone would ask about a man if they'd never seen one before. So for five days, a man was borrowed. This film came out in 1993. And the synopsis is, an Arizona logger mysteriously disappears for five days in an alleged encounter with a flying saucer in 1975. His co-workers endure ridicule and contempt as they are wrongly accused of murder. Directed by Robert Lieberman, it was written by Tracy Torme, and it is based on the book The Walton Experience by Travis Walton. Um, it stars D.B. Sweeney, Robert Patrick, Craig Sheffer, Peter Berg, Henry Thomas, and Bradley Gregg. All right. You want to hear my story? Yes. Actually, no, no, no. Actually, no. I won't. No. I'll tell you my story later. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So I saw this movie as a kid um, in the theater. I had um, when I was in uh, third and fourth grade, um, there was a daycare that my mother would take me to. And it wasn't like a daycare, like babies and stuff like that. It was like age, the age range from like, I think from like four or five to like 10 or 12 or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was this nice lady's house. Her name is Dolores. Last name, I can't, I couldn't remember. Um, and she had a house. She had a nice big backyard. She took care of myself and a bunch of other kids, like the, stuff like that, right? Sometimes she would take us to mo- to to the movie theater, and I don't know why, but she thought it was a good idea to for us to watch Fire in the Sky. Oh Jesus! <laughs> How old were you? Uh, like seven or eight. <laughs> did you Did you tell your mom? No. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So she thought it'd be a good idea to watch Fire in the Sky. Was it her? Yeah, yeah, it had to be her. She thought it would be a good idea to watch Fire in the Sky. And I watched that movie, and it terrified the ever-loving piss out of me. 
Um, Maybe she thought it would be good to use, like, hey, if you don't behave, I know aliens are gonna come and gonna, get you. Aliens gonna take me. Um, that was the first time and the last time I saw this movie. Really? Yes. I think I've seen like over time I've seen like little bits and clips of it like maybe it's like on HBO I'm like yeah let me watch a little bit of it and then stop watching it because it terrified the shit out of me again mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah like this is the first time in a long while that god in like 20 years since I actually like watched the entire movie mm-hmm. um, yeah but you know as, as per usual no one gives a shit about my opinion or my stories about you, made, you made me think that you had an abduction story. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the most important part is, what does Kelsey think about this movie? I like this movie. Okay. I'm not going to say that it was amazing, uh-huh. but I think it was a solid story. Like a solid yeah. direction, solid writing, mm-hmm. um, even how dated, how dated it is. Yeah, it almost comes off as like a made-for-TV movie. I wouldn't go that far. Oh, okay. Um, but it, like, I think the actor, uh, uh D.B. Sweeney, uh, definitely makes the movie. Because he's, uh, like, he feels responsibility for everybody. And oh, you're talking, about, you're talking about Robert Patrick's character? D.B. Sweeney's the guy I'm who... I'm sorry, yes, Robert Patrick. Yeah. I think he makes the movie because he is the leader of these men. Yeah. And so basically he the whole movie is on his shoulders as the actor too. Yeah, he's like he's acting his ass off. Like I've seen him in a bu- in a few other things. His most notable role is the T1000 from Terminator. Mm-hmm. But in this movie he's like really like showing range and shit like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So I I like this film for that reason. Uh uh-huh. Just that reason alone. I think some of it was kind of like, yeah, okay. But yeah, for the most part, like a lot of it is believable just because of how the how the characters are behaving. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <coughs> you know, while watching this movie, because the, cause the, the character Travis gets adopted pretty quickly. I think within like what? Remember the first like 15 minutes or something like that? 15, 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. Like he gets adopted, uh, uh, abducted. Um. And I remember, like, and while we were watching this, that happens, and I'm thinking, like, well, this movie's always, like, almost two hours long. Like, what are they going to fill with that time? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it felt, like, not that long. Yeah, exactly. Like, you you really get into the character and the, the shit they went through, these characters went through to, like, explain, like, what happened to their friend, how the town was turning on them, nobody was believing them, like, whatsoever. Um at one point, they had to take a. They argued about taking a polygraph test because they thought like it's gonna say that they were lying, even though they're not. Mm-hmm. So there's like this whole conflict within the group of like trying to do that, and I think that's a good maybe like ten minutes that happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like ten minutes, ten or fifteen minutes. It feels like oh, like this is some real shit going on. Yeah. What did you? Um, I mean, what did you think? What did you think of the special effects? I, I really want to get your opinion on that. Like, the way the UFO looks, the aliens look. For the most part, I really thought it was great. Okay. Um, it was funny. I was thinking about the special effects when the, the ship was there. Because I was like, oh, um, because it was so big, there's no way that they made that thing that big uh-huh. above them yeah. in real life. 
So I'm like, maybe they probably did like a, a perspective, like illusion, uh, uh, where it was closer to the camera, so that it yeah. looked bigger. Yeah, I mean, there were times like there were times where there was a like a wider shot, like a wide angle shot, and you could see more of the of the flying saucer, mm-hmm. and you could tell like, okay, that's that that that, that looks kind of rough, you mm-hmm. know. But I think it looks rough because obviously it was made in '93, you know, high definition. It's gonna you're gonna see the, all like the faults in the in the material, um, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that like oh this is like this looks like it actually like happened. I mean, d- you know. Well, that's let's debate. not forget uh-huh. CGI did kind of exist at this time. No, it, so it, the fact that they did it uh-huh. this way and it looked okay was actually good. No, yeah, I'm, not- I'm thinking of the opening. I think. It was Hercules or Beastmaster, but it must have been like Hercules, uh, where they have like the three-headed Hydra or something. Oh, I feel like that was Hercules. I think that was Hercules. That shit looked bad. Oh, really? Yes. And those are that's like later '90s shit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, yeah, later '90s. I feel like like '97. Uh, yeah. Um, so I do wonder about underneath the the saucer. Hmm. Because it looks kind of weird. Like, like I don't know, like hot coals or something. Like, I couldn't, kind of couldn't tell if it was... Kind of like lava, right? Kind of like that, yeah. It, like, if they were using a filter, maybe. I don't know, like, mm. it kind of looked like they were using some CGI or something. But, I like, maybe it was, like, layered on top of practical effects or something. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Um, yeah, like, like... I think you had mentioned about the forced perspective mm-hmm. of of how it, how it was even though yeah it does kind of look as we mentioned earlier it, it does look kind of dated but like i think it still it still has the same effect mm-hmm. of this kind of like terror thing i'm sure i i, I don't know this i'm sure like if, if a gen Sear watched this they'd be like whatever go back on their phone <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we did that to our older generations too what, what was what was our version of on the phone our version of on the phone. Yeah. Um, I want to go outside and play. <laughs> or maybe we're playing, you know, like the Power Ranger handheld games. Uh, where oh, those things were fucking dead. Bo- bone. <laughs> Dope. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those little mini games. They'd mm-hmm. be like, bring, bring, bring. and it's just like the same movement mm-hmm. over and over and game shit. Game Boy. Oh, I had a Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I was a dumbass. I sold that shit at a at a yard sale. Oh, I had a and I had a bunch of games too, and the dude he bought it, he bought that and like I think I had like ten games, thirty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and of course I'm like nine years old. I'm like yeah, got got, I got money. thirty dollars. Got thirty dollars. I'm gonna go ahead. And your mom was like cool. With, with me having the thirty dollars? No, that you sold it. Yeah, she she even said like, oh, Mark made the most money at this yard sale. <laughs> That's a lot of money back then to be, like, buying fucking Game Boy and the games and stuff. Hold on. Let me see how much the $30 in 1983. No, but I mean, like, at that time, how much did the Game Boy cost? Um, let me see. Because that's, that's what I'm like, I don't know. I can't conceive of being okay with my child selling a Game Boy and 10 games at a yard sale. At launch? Ninety dollars. 
Oof. I know, but this is like, oh, this is like 93, 94. This, this $89 was in 1989. So let's just say, let's just say it dropped, right? The value dropped to like maybe $70. Plus I saw, damn, I missed that Game Boy. Fuck, I wish I still had it. Because <laughs> like those games now, they cost like 20 bucks a pop. I never had a regular Game Boy. My first Game Boy was a DS. The flip one, the little flip one. I, those were kind of cool. flipped open. Yeah. And I had Mario. Doc, I think Dr. Mario on it. Uh-huh. Um, but I didn't really have Game Boys. Yeah, I hate... I My hate, brother did. I hate you and your talent for playing Dr. Mario. Everyone hates I, me playing I can't that play game. that game. We're shit. <laughs> Give me down some Tetris, though. That's totally different. It's the same thing. No, it's like Dr. Mario's like the pills. You have to like mash the pills and then like... Try to fit it. I'm an idiot. Turn it on its side at the right moment. Yeah, I'm an idiot. So. Well, apparently everyone is because no <laughs> one can beat me. Kyle's the closest one. Sometimes he can beat me. Oh, really? That's why I like Tricky Towers. Yo, fuck that game. You hate that game too. You keep beating my ass at that game. <laughs> um, did we talk about the aliens? No. Okay. Um, God, I'm, st- I'm so paranoid about those aliens. <laughs> like, I keep saying, like, cars like drive by uh-huh. at the window behind you and a part of me is like it was an alien <laughs> really <laughs> yeah the movie fucked me up you know what i like i felt weird about them uh-huh i felt weird some there's a part of me that thinks they look like uh like groot's grandparents groot's grand oh wow i can picture that <laughs> <laughs> no they're like <laughs> no this is what they are <laughs> yeah the groot's grandparents they're Groot's grandparents, and what happened was that their Groot's mother made it with a tree. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Groot came out. <laughs> part Groot, part, part Groot, part alien, part tree, all Groot. All Groot. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, they, they, you know, people always talk about abducting people, but they never talk about other things that they could be abducting. Like what? Cats. Okay. Uh, That's kind of a hassle, though. Not for them. Um, okay. Wait, the aliens or people? People. I mean, uh, aliens. Okay. All right. <laughs> so let, let's go over. What can the aliens uh, abduct? Um, they can abduct ducks. Uh-huh. They can abduct, uh, let's say. I mean, there's the whole cows thing. Horses. Horses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's just stop there. Plant life. Let's. <laughs> so Venus. <laughs> Venus flying. They're gonna, they're gonna abduct a, a, a flower. <laughs> just one flower. Yeah, a rose or something like that. <laughs> All right, so let's let's go back. Horse. All right, they abducted adu- a horse. What are the benefits from abducting a horse? Anatomy. They learn a different anatomy of different animals. Uh-huh. What What are its strengths and weaknesses? Uh-huh. How does this body move? Like. Um, so you wouldn't say that they would abduct it for fuel because, you know, their ships need horsepower? Oh, my God. Go, Joe, more high five. You suck. You know I was good on that one. No. You know what? That's not as good as the joke that I found earlier today that my dad didn't get right away, and I was disappointed. Oh, the formaldehyde one? Yeah. That was actually pretty funny. Well, I have to tell everyone now. Okay, go ahead. What's the opposite of formaldehyde? What was it? Casual 
High Jekyll or something like that? Casual the Jekyll. Casual the Je- Jekyll. I read it as Casual the Jerkle. <laughs> casual the Jerkle. The Jerkle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you wanna you wanna know my history uh, about alien with alien abductions? Yeah. Uh, all right, I'm not from this planet. Part alien. No, I'm joking. You come from the year thirty thirty three. Yeah. That's a Deltron song. Thirty thirty three. Actually, it's thirty thirty. Okay. Oh. All right. So as I mentioned earlier, my babysitter showed me this movie. Terrified the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. So one night. Um, went to bed, you know, fell asleep, and I had a dream. And this was my dream. Okay. I dreamt that I was in an alleyway, and there was water, like um, like puddles. Mm-hmm. But it was like consistent puddles, right? It was like one spot. It was just like consistent. Like it was almost kind of like flooded or something like that, right? But like a... You know, like wh- how they have that, like that one canal in the middle, usually, like mm-hmm. of street, like flood... Pr- Brown streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So like, I'm running, right? I'm just I don't know why, but I'm running. Okay. And I look down, and I notice that my feet aren't touching the ground. Mm-hmm. And I see something in like reflected in the water, and I turn around and it's a UFO, and it's pulling me up. Mm-hmm. Like, and I remember it. Like I'm actually thinking about it right now. I remember it vividly. Mm-hmm. And all I could do was scream, like fucking terrified screaming. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I woke up screaming. Mm-hmm. All right, in the dark. I did not get more than two hours of sleep for a week, <laughs> and it's still like I said while we're talking about it, it still kind of like lingers. Like, <laughs> like I'm gonna like edit this episode tonight and everything like that. Um. And all I kept thinking is like, I don't want to be down here by myself. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, and I, uh, I got a I, and before I think it was actually after that, after that I got a, obsessed with alien abductions. Right? Mm-hmm. I would read books or magazines or whatever that like had the stuff in my local library. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, that only got worse over time because of the X Files uh, TV show. Uh-huh. For a long while, I couldn't watch that show, especially like the intro. Uh, as as you played, you know, getting into this epi- this week's episode, that whole intro scared the living crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was into like honestly uh-huh. that intro, the sound uh-huh. terrified me too as a kid. It, that's the thing. A lot of '90s kids were like fucked up by that. <laughs> That it. intro, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is entertaining, you know? But it's still... It's that, still kind of low-key scares me a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there was one night... I'll never forget this. Uh, so, this is when I was living in Fontana. <sighs> I know I was a teenager. I don't know what age I was exactly. But I was, <clears throat> I was in my room. It was dark. My my room, um, the only light in my room at the time was obviously like through my window, right? But like, it was it would face the I think it would face like the moon. I mean, there was a house right next. There was a house next to my house, but like 
I could still see the sky, like at an angle, I could still see the sky. So I'm in my room and I see a light that's barely like peeking, like through my blinds, right? And my blinds are open. I'm like, what the fuck is that? So I uh, I go to my window and I see where the light's coming from and I look up and it's like this bright light. It almost looks like a star, mm-hmm. but it's bright, right? Like if it was a helicopter, it was a, it would have. It, like I could, I'd be you'd be able to tell it was a fucking helicopter. No, it's a super bright light, like a star. And I'm looking at it, and then I blink, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Like immediately, it's gone. And that's why I was like, I'm getting, I'm actually getting goosebumps remembering. <laughs> Shit. You sure it wasn't a cow in your front yard? <laughs> yeah, cow's like, hey, you, you want to get abducted? <laughs> I'll abduct Moo. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so horrible. Um, but yeah, that's that's my hit my history with Alien Abduct. I, I had like let a, I had to tell Kelsey like, oh yeah, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it later. I swear I keep seeing lights out your window, it's cars, and it's terrifying the shit out of me. I feel like you're not doing that story justice. Like you saw a bright light. Uh-huh. And you blinked and it was gone. But it doesn't evoke fear to me. Like, it just... Uh, like, you're not really describing the light. Okay. Why, how did you know it wasn't a helicopter? Okay, so... Okay, to, uh, let me, okay, so let me try to give you more of a visual aid. Okay, so... Like, like I said, my was, room... And was it a lot of light coming into your room? Or did, uh, was it just really bright when you looked at it? Well, okay, so... Like the like I said, my like my room was pitch black, so you could see the light, right? Mm-hmm. But not like bright, like it's a searchlight or anything like that. But you could see the light, okay? And when I looked up at the angle to see the light, the, I remember the sky because I remember you could see the moon to the right of it, and there was like no clouds, and it was like it was always a clear is a clear blue sky, right? And when I saw this light, like I said, it looks like it, a clear blue sky at night. Yeah. Like a dark blue sky? Yeah, like a dark oh, blue sky, yeah. Okay. Um, and the light... I know I keep saying like a star, but like... Um, okay, all right, all right. Here we go. This is better. Um, like a Christmas light. Like, a, let's say like a white Christmas light. And you know how you kind of squint your eyes? The Christmas light really like kind of... It kind of like takes a shape where it's like it's brighter. Like it's brighter than the things around it. Mm-hmm. It, it looked like that. Okay. You know, and it wasn't like a search. I've seen searchlights. I like grew up like in Linwood, so I remember seeing searchlights. I know what they they look like. But this one, like I said, was just like standing there, and it wasn't flickering or anything like that. So it couldn't have been like a cluster flare either. What's a cluster flare? Um, it's something that the military uses. They're flares. You shoot them up into oh, the sky. I see, uh, yeah. They're super super fucking bright. Like it's almost daytime. No, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't and, that. And but they do flicker a lot too, and like that's so you can see the enemy. No, 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 no. They they it didn't flicker. It wasn't super bright. Like I can see like the ground or anything. Like you know, like like almost like a light being shined. Um, but yeah, like I said, I blinked and it was, it was. And, and that's the thing. I like I, I looked at it for at least like a, like at least like ten seconds. Like what the fuck is that? You know, like just staring at it. And I blinked. Like I said, it was gone. So even if it was like a helicopter. I could see it fly away, but it was gone so fast. And no chance it was because, you know, it was nighttime and your imagination was gone, you know, going with you. Nope. 
definitely weren't, you know, tired and seeing things. Nope. And I've seen some shit in, my, in that house. Yeah. Like some shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You want to know one thing that's always terrified me about alien abduction stories? Hmm. The concept, the concept of losing time. Uh, you know, actually, you know what? Since we're talking about like the the, the like the scary part, the thing that actually scared the sh- would scare the shit out of me is the fact that like they would they would take me and like I'd never see anybody ever again. Like mm-hmm. that'd just be the end of it. That wouldn't scare me. Because you have no soul. I'm just like. I want to know where I was for the last two hours. Yeah. Like what happened in those two hours? I would obsess about it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. See, the way how the way how I think about it is like I'm I'm conscious, and like oh shit, like I'm I'm gone. I'm in outer space. So they're never gonna find me. No. Yeah. Like I think the running theme is most people don't remember uh, being abducted by yeah, aliens. Yeah. They know that they were because they might remember something like uh, being abducted or like something fleeting. Uh, but I don't think most people would remember the whole experience. The thing that stands out other than that is that there are people who say they've been abducted by aliens. Uh, and if you hold a magnet to like their wrist or some part of their oh, hand. Oh, that would terrify me. They, you could see like something like a little piece of metal or something that's yeah. like it kind of wants to come out to the, the magnet. Yeah, that's some of the research that I remember reading as a kid mm-hmm. about people finding like metal objects in their body and shit like that. Yeah. I mean, now, now it's common practice when it comes to like surgery people just like lose sponges in you and shit seriously or like there's one story that i'm like that makes sense um that like things in a field were dying or like people that were too close to a saucer Uh got really sick or they got cancer or something because it was radiation uh um so that but yeah like they're like yeah we went to the site with a geiger counter (laughs) and it was radiation all right no more alien talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my thing growing up in the 90s was demon possessions. That shit used to terrify me. Yeah. Well, I mean... Because my mom, that she loved watching that shit. Now I think about it, I'm surprised I'm not more fucked up than I am. Because I, li- I lived in a haunted house and I saw a UFO. And I would have nightmares of being abducted. <laughs> you could be your own book. I know, right? Mm-hmm. My life as a... A survivor of supernatural bullshit. That, I know it's a long <laughs> title. <laughs> um, all right, so back to the movie since we got on that tangent. Um, Is that why you don't want to watch Supernatural? Yes, you found me out. No, you found me Liar. out. Liar! You got me. <laughs> you got me. Um, I would watch it, but it's not streaming anywhere for free. So liar. I guess I'll just you know get to the X Files. Liar. You know, cool Supernatural. Nope. Uh, okay, all right, all right. We're going on for a little bit. Um, okay, so let me ask you, Kelsey. Do you think this movie still holds up? Yes. Uh, awesome. Do uh, you? Yeah, I think it still holds up. I mean, like I said, some of the stuff does look dated, but I think, I think the story still hits pretty well. Um, honestly, I don't even. I, I really don't think like Gen Zers would get this because like the whole. Okay, because hear me out. Not even Gen Sears. Like, just people who... like Let's say people who just haven't seen the movie growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Like millennials, right? All right. So, like, people wouldn't even be terrified by this movie or really don't really wouldn't care 
because like about a month ago the the US government was just like, Yeah, aliens do exist and here's the material. They like, didn't say that. They they no no I'm they sorry. They said UFOs exist. Yeah, yeah, sorry, UFOs exist. But that's like you gotta understand uh they're not saying aliens exist, they're saying there are things that they've seen that they don't know um how to explain. Yeah. That's different. That's true. But that kind of like leads to this whole that that leads to a slippery slippery slope of like, well, if you don't know what it is, then what is it? What could it be? Um, could it be this? Could it be that? You want to like hear that. something? Okay, I hear a lot, but go on. You know how my mind works. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite word when it comes to me? Logistics. Mm-hmm. Go on. Part of logistics uh, is statistics. Okay. Are you being serious? Serious. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, I'm saying it this way just because I, I'm, like, stealing myself against, like, you thinking something's funny or laughing at me. Um, I think that the probability mm. of there being life out there that's more intelligent than us, mm. um, it's a probability Okay. So I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't doubt that. I, I like we ain't uh, special. I know, right? I think that, like the idea of like people who are just like aliens don't exist. That's a very um, egotistical kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you can't. And they probably have cats too. Yes. Or their own version of it. Yeah, I know, right? Um. Yeah, I think the movie still holds up. Um. But it, I don't think it leaves the same effect as it did, like, the first time it came out. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else? Um, you didn't say what the most terrifying part of the movie was for you. Oh, yeah. The most terrifying part of the movie was the guy being pinned down. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put this blanket and, like... Like, it was almost like a... Like, like a sheet. Yeah, like, you know how you wrap, like, filet mignon in, like, a sheet of fat? Uh-huh. And then before you tie it with the string, uh, it looked like a sheet of fat. <laughs> well, like I, I looked at it as like it's comfort. Like this is like this is the illusion of comfort that they put the sheet on him, and it's gonna be everything's gonna be like okay. And all of a sudden, it just like vacuum pull, sealed. Yeah, vacuum seals like pulls him down and like covers his face, and he's like screaming in terror. And they're like, oh yeah, let's open up the mouth. Let me just throw this stuff in your mouth. And yeah. here's your eye. Here's a tube going in your mouth. And ooga booga. <laughs> Ooga booga. Yeah, ooga booga. <laughs> um, all right, is that it? Yeah. All right, so that's going to be it for our show for this week. We want to thank everybody for joining us on this week's show. Uh, we would like to thank the folks over at Your Entertainment Corner, Corner for hosting this podcast on their website. For all your film news, TV news, and reviews, go to yourentertainmentcorner.com. Uh, drop us a line at therealpill at gmail.com. Uh, you can <clears throat> you can find our podcast on wherever podcasts can be found, and while you're there, uh, give us a mention. Actually, yeah, give us a mention. Give us a review. Uh, five stars would be great. It takes like a few seconds, and you're you're set to go. Uh, so next week, I'm actually looking forward to next week. Me too. Uh, next week, our recent review will be uh, Garth Evans, Garth Edwards, uh, the creator. Which is in theaters uh, September 29th, which is on Friday. And our geriatric cinematic with that episode will be uh, 1995's Ghost in the Shell. 
Um, this is considered one of the most influential like animes ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally think it's it's a good pairing. More than Akira? No, not more than Akira. It just because it, it was a, it came out during that time, like the late eighties and like early nineties, where like anime like blew the fuck up. Mm-hmm. They had like great like Akira. Moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's like Akira, Ghost in the Shell, uh, Ninja Scroll, Wicked City, uh, uh, Rojin Z, like. Robot Wars is, is it no ro- Robot Carnival. There you go. Like all these different types of like animes that like blew everybody's mind. Um, so Ghost in the Shell is streaming on Prime Video and the Criterion Channel, or it's available to rent on Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube TV, or other VOD services. Uh, the topic for that week will be do Android stream of Electric Soul. Mm-hmm. Woo, 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 woo. That should be the name of uh, an album. Woo, 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 woo. No, you're <laughs> turning. <laughs>